This is a podcast asking the very best in the world how to stay resilient. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier, and we will get through this. When I think about somebody who has got herself connected and known in this world, the person I first think of is Dori Clark. She has been a friend of mine forever. And I realized that's in part because of Dori's gift of reaching out to people and going, hey, I'm Dori Clark, let's hang out a little bit. And she came up to give a talk in Toronto some years ago. And she just said, hey, Michael, look, I kind of know who you are, but I don't really, let's go and grab a meal together. So we did, and we hung out, and then we've become closer friends over time. When I'm in New York, I see her. When she's in Toronto, she sees me. We have a bunch of connected friends. And you know what? In terms of thinking about the we will get through this podcast and thinking about how do you think about your own reputation, your own personal brand, I was like, there is nobody better than Dory Clark. And let me read you why. She has been described by the New York Times, no less, as an expert in self-reinvention and helping others make changes in their lives. So that alone, that's pretty much, I could just drop a mic now, but I'm going to carry on. She's a frequent contributor to the Harvard Business Review, and you can download her entrepreneurial youth self-assessment workbook at doryclark.com slash entrepreneur. And I mention that because she is the author of numerous books. One of them is called Entrepreneurial You, which we might touch on today, but also Reinventing You and also Stand Out, and she's been, which was named uh, the number one leadership book of the year by Inc. Magazine. She is one of the Thinkers 50 top thinkers in the world, which I'm slightly jealous of. She's been honored as the number one communication coach in the world by the Marshall Goldsmith Leading Coaches Award and one of the top 10 coach, uh, communication professionals by the, uh, in the world by Global Guru. So she is a woman of many talents. and I'm delighted to know her, be a friend of hers, and to have her on this podcast with me. So Dori, come on down. Welcome. Thank you, Michael. I'm so pleased to be the next contestant. <laughs> exactly. Which box will you pick? <laughs> <laughs> Always number three. Always number three. Oh, that's the other thing you don't know about Dory, which isn't on her kind of formal bio, is she's a stand-up comedian. In fact, she was an inspiration for me watching Dory go, look, I'm going to do a little stand-up to make me go and do a stand-up course a couple of years ago and trying that out. So Dory's been influential in many, many ways in my life. Thank you, Michael. Now, now the next uh, step that I hope to inspire you on is writing musical theater. You think you think you're ready? <laughs> you know, I love a good lyric. Like I'm, I'm lyrically inclined. So, you know, I'm one of the few people, my age at least, who know many of the lyrics of Gilbert and Sullivan. <laughs> but, but I've got not a really a musical bone in my body. So, you know, maybe I can play a small part in that the the musical theater piece. There we go. We'll, we'll, we'll work on it together. Excellent. So, Dory, um, one of the things you know about is this idea of uh, reinventing yourself, standing out, building a personal brand. And I remember coming across the whole idea of personal brand, gosh, maybe 20 years ago with kind of Dan Pink and Tom Peters talking about it. But I'm not sure how that concept's changed or evolved, or even if it's still relevant. So, when when we talk about a personal brand, what do we what do we even mean? 
Well, essentially, your your personal brand, and you know, in some ways, the the phrase is loaded for people. That some people get stressed out about it, or some people uh, get their back up a little bit because they they have these connotations of uh, people having to be inauthentic or fake or selling themselves. But at its core, we're really just talking about your reputation. How do people see you? How do people talk about you? Um, that is, I think, when we frame it that way. It, it becomes clearer to people why that actually might matter and be a useful thing to think about. If you, I mean, I think about that a little bit and I'm like, you know what, my reputation's fine. It, it takes care of itself. And, you know, there's random people out there on the internet anyway. So who cares what they think about me? I was just looking at my TEDx talk this morning and the most recent comment was, here's some advice, get a comb. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't care about what you think about me, particularly person, whoever you are. But why why do we need to worry about our reputation and not just kind of let it take care of itself? Well, ultimately, I think there's different spheres, right? Um, for all of us, you know, I mean, it is it is no secret that commenters on YouTube are not necessarily known to be a particularly <laughs> thoughtful bunch. Um, but you know, we all have people that we value their opinion. You know, your mm-hmm. professional colleagues, the uh, the folks that you hope might hire you, the folks that you hope might refer you, and within that sphere it actually does matter what they think, not in a, you know, junior high, oh my gosh, I hope they think I'm cool, but just you want your work to be respected. I think that is the goal of almost oh, okay. any professional. You you want people to take you seriously. You want when you say something, ideally for people to say, oh, you know, Michael has good ideas. Let's hear what his take is. That is the ultimate compliment for, for a professional. It's the ultimate mark of success when people yeah. don't hear your opinion and they say, wow, Let's see what Michael has to say. I am eager to hear what Michael has to say. And if we can take steps to create the context in which that happens, in which, and there are a few steps, right? First of all, they need to have heard of you. They need to know who you are in order to be able to seek out your opinion. And then over time, we have to essentially train people to understand that, yes, you do have good ideas because you are worth listening to. If we can do that, it is very powerful because there's a lasting effect to it and it makes everything easier downstream. If you don't have to be constantly screaming, if you don't have to be begging with your hat in hand and saying, oh, please hire Mm -hmm. me, please listen to me. If people are coming to you instead, then it just changes the entire dynamic. There's a school of thought out there summarized by the classic field of dreams quote, which is if you build it, they will come. So you're like, you know what? My work will speak for itself. I don't need to self-promote. I don't need to build my reputation. I'll just do good work. Where do you stand on that? Well, I think it's It's true in a very micro sense that, yes, the people immediately around you will know if you have done a good job. But mm-hmm. there's a few things that we have to keep in mind. Number one is that over the past 20 years especially, we have increasingly had global relationships. You you are often connecting with people, and, and it's never more true than now, um, yeah. where they're, they're 
connecting virtually, they're around the world. Um, they may literally never even have met you in person. So it's not like they have the kind of depth of exposure where, you know, right. oh yeah, I've been working in the same office with Michael for 20 years. He's great. Um, it's just, it's a much lighter touch and you're working with more people at a remove. And also there's faster turnover. You know, people yeah. are, are in different jobs. They're working on different teams, different projects. So they just don't have the same level exposure of exposure so that they really get a deep sense over time. So uh, it is it is true in a broad sense that right. you know yes if you if you really do work with someone over a sustained period of time they'll get it but it is um it's not a guarantee that that's going to be the case in a contemporary work environment and for most of us we probably have goals or aspirations of continuing to level up you know we want in theory mm-hmm. uh to get promotions or we want to be able to work on bigger projects or more important projects or have you know higher priced clients or bigger name clients you know there's something we're striving for and if we had infinite time the idea that your work would speak for itself is true because there is a certain degree of virality people can refer you but mostly people know people like themselves. And yeah. if you want to be trading up to continue to get better and better assignments, that's very hard because you have this kind of incremental growth, but it's really hard to have exponential growth. And that's why you need a strong brand so that the word can spread faster to people that you don't already know, to people that your existing clients or your existing network don't already know so that they can discover you and you can actually get the kind of work and projects that that would be most exciting to you. Part of what I really like that you're pointing to here, Dory, is you're saying, and if, if you're listening to this and I want you to make sure you're hearing this, building a personal brand and managing and actively managing your reputation isn't just a thing for a solopreneur or a freelancer or a somebody aspiring to be a thought leader or an influencer, whatever language you want to use around that. Part of what Dory's saying and, and mentioning frequently is regardless of whether you work for yourself, you work for a small company, you work for a big organization, there's value to be had in terms of building your reputation and becoming known, uh, particularly kind of beyond your, perhaps your immediate circle of people who go, actually, I've, I've hung out with Dory. She's a good person. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. Thank you for pointing that out, Michael. So, if 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 building it and hoping people come is not sufficient, um, where do I start? Knowing that there's one part of me is going, look, I don't want this to be shallow or shouty or brittle or fake or inauthentic. I've got a kind of nervousness around that. Where would you guide me to as a kind of a first step around this to kind of make me feel good about here's here's where you begin to think about how to build and establish your reputation, your brand? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the first important starting points, and this is something I talk about in my book, Stand Out, and in the Recognized Expert course that I've developed, is that ultimately you need to start creating content. And I'm putting this in air quotes because what I really mean by it is it, it almost doesn't matter how you are transmitting this content, mm-hmm. but you need people to know what your ideas are. That is a prerequisite. The, the problem that a lot of professionals run into is that the only people who have any idea what your ideas are 
are the people that literally you have worked with, which is right. a relatively small number in yeah. you know this seven billion person world, right? <laughs> and so uh, people, you you can't be known for your ideas if people don't know what your ideas are. So you need to find a way for people who have not worked elbow to elbow with you to be able to to hear what they are. And it could be that you start writing and sharing them, you know, blogging online or writing articles for publications. It could be that you uh, do lunch and learns, you know, when people are allowed to do that again. Or, you know, maybe maybe you're sharing best practices on your company's internal social network. Maybe you are writing for your company's newsletter. Maybe you offer to do a free webinar for people inside your company about, hey, you know, I learned this new sales technique that seems really effective. Let me share it with other people. Um, Maybe you're, you know, again, once there's conferences, maybe you're volunteering to speak at a conference and lead a session. Uh, but, But somehow it is about sharing your ideas in a generous way so that people are made aware of them and so that they see, oh, wow, this person is adding something new to the discourse. There's something special here because, you know, you can hear all you want. Oh, Michael's a great guy. Michael's awesome. Yeah, he's great. But there's no substance to that. Which is true, by the way, except for for the no substance bit. There is a tiny (laughs) bit of substance here. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, there's lots of people in the world who are good guys, Mm -hmm. but that that doesn't mean that like they're a leader in their field or you must hire them. Um, what, What you want to differentiate yourself in terms of your brand is to be known for your ideas and sharing them uh, somehow, finding the way that's right for you is a really powerful first step. Okay, so there are some people freaking out right away going, <laughs> look, Dory is a, an, a cornucopia of ideas. They are abundant. She's written in different spheres. She's written for HBR. She's written for assorted other magazines. She's written books. She has online courses. You know, this woman is just good at that. And you know what? I'm also good at that. I'm, a, I'm, I, I'm great at kind of generating uh, a concept and then kind of building that out. But if people are looking at you and me and going, look, I can't be a Dory Clark. I can't be a, a Michael Bungay Stanier. How do you scale? Calm us down a bit, Dory. Make, make, make that, I, that concept of, start putting your ideas out in the world feel less scary for me. So one example that I have that I, that I love, this is actually from a friend of mine. Um, so I, I often think that internal company social networks are a really underutilized resource yes. because the truth is most employees think they're kind of lame and, uh, and so they don't participate as much as they should. I mean, it's, you know, it's a little different Slack because sometimes they, you know, companies are now mandating like, no, our communications are on Slack, so you have to do it. But for, for a long time, companies uh, would have these internal social networks and people would be like, why do I bother? Like, you know, nobody's reading this, nobody cares. And so the thing was that management uh, really wanted people to share. Wouldn't it be great if we could share best practices and connect as a company and capture our learning mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff? And uh, and so there was this kind of vacuum between what, what the leaders wanted and what people were doing. And so I think that that means there's kind of a you know blue ocean that can be exploited, but I had a friend who literally she was she was a retail clerk you know mm-hmm. frontline employee working at Burberry, and she was on the but you know she was a pretty savvy person, and she was on the internal company social network, 
And they posted something about, you know, hey, we're, you know, we have a sustainability challenge where we're looking for the best ideas about sustainability, you know, from our employees, right? You know, this, this is the kind of thing that I think a lot of people who are cynical would just write off and then say, oh, it's so stupid. What, you know, why bother? But she actually took it seriously. She was very interested in environmental issues and she did have some ideas and she said, oh, well, you know, maybe this is an opportunity. And so she wrote up a kind of, uh, you know, quick prospectus of what her idea was. And mm-hmm. she sent it in and submitted it. And she ends up in a one-on-one dialogue with the company CEO. That's awesome. She, she ends up winning a contest. They fly <laughs> her to the headquarters in London to present her idea. I mean, these are literal ways that you can stand out. That's and nice. just yeah. a lot of people don't take that opportunity. What I would say to people around the same piece is a, a few insights around that, which is, first of all, you don't need to have the full enchilada idea. A small idea is worthwhile sharing. Secondly, I would add to what Dory's saying, which is look for your different channels because there's a way that you can default to certain channels which may not play to your strengths. Like writing a book, for instance, is a miserable experience for almost everybody. And sometimes you go, the only way I put my ideas out in the world is to write a book. And I'm like, no, 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 start, start small. Start with a video shot on your iPhone. Start with a small piece on, on your company intranet. All of that is great. And then the third thing I would offer up to people is to say this. The first time you start doing this, you're going to be a bit mediocre. <laughs> because here's the truth. Everybody is a bit mediocre the first time they start trying to put ideas together. It's a new skill. It's an underdeveloped muscle. And the real truth is that the first versions of the ideas that Dory and I put out in the world are mediocre. I mean, just before I got on this call, I got a note back from Ainsley, who I work with at MBS.Works, which is like, I've just read your newsletter. Yeah, I've got some comments. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know what those are yet. but. But what that is, is a moment of somebody going, let me help you uh, elevate the idea that you've had. So it takes a degree of courage to step into this place of going, to be known for my ideas, I've got to start having ideas. And it's like, start small, know that you're going to suck, find ways of getting feedback so that maybe your idea can become a little stronger, a little more differentiated, a little more interesting. And then pick your channel, I think can be really important as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very good tips. Thanks, Michael. So, okay. I've, you, I've got the, <laughs> I've got the first piece in, under my belt. She's like, okay, I'm going to start having ideas. And I'm going to start finding ways of sharing them. Where do I go from here? Because there's a way that I could just be throwing stuff out in the world and nothing really sticks and nothing really elevates me or, or illuminates me. So is there another step as part of this? Well, so the second step is asking the question, how can you stack the deck to make it a little bit more likely that people are going to listen? They Mm -hmm. are going to pay attention because of course it's true. You know, there's lots of people blogging, you know, I mean, it's better, it's better to to blog than not to blog, but let's be real. There's a lot of people blogging and, you know, for instance, so this is where the second part of my recognized expert framework comes into play, which is social proof. Mm. And that is a, uh, a term used in psychology. And essentially what it refers to is what is, what is your credibility that you are signaling or demonstrating to other people 
why should they take you seriously? And so one of the, the best things that we can do to make it more likely that people will be willing to listen to us in the first place is to try to amass credentials, and I will unpack credentials in a minute, yep. to, uh, to signal to people, oh, okay, well, this person probably does know what they're talking about. I probably should listen to this person. Right. And credentials can take a lot of forms. I mean, the obvious one that people think about is, oh, do I need a degree? Do I need a PhD or something like that? That's one form of credential, but it's certainly not the only one. I don't have a PhD. Um, it could be credentials in the sense of this person has worked for these brand name companies that I've heard of. Mm -hmm. It could be that this person is a leader in a professional association, which, you know, hint, hint, these are volunteer positions. And so therefore often very easy to get because people don't exactly. like to spend the time volunteering. Right. Um, it could be that they're, uh, you know, that they're uh, writing for uh, a publication that people have heard about. It could be that they're speaking at a conference that, you know, people have heard about or attend. It could be that you are a leader in your alumni association. It could even be, uh, you know, at sort of a, a local level that you're the chair of a committee at work. You're the chair of the diversity committee. You're the chair right. of the recycling committee. Whatever it is, th that sort of leadership role gives you a certain amount of status that you can leverage. And, and to the folks listening in, I would really encourage you to follow Dory on LinkedIn because what Dory does brilliantly is constantly allow people to see her credentials in a way that doesn't feel like it's gratuitously self-promoting. And I think this is one of the things that you just get pitch perfect, Dory. It's really impressive, which is... Look, I know that you teach for uh, Duke uh, Executive Education, and I know that you travel around the world, or you, you know, you did in recent times speaking for different organisations. And I know that you are asked to endorse people's books all the time because you're always holding up a book, going, "Hey, my friend Michael has a new book out here, and this is it, and it's a great book." There's a way that you're you're kind of generous with the way that you show up on LinkedIn, but it also has a a subtle but consistent reinforcing of Dory is a thought leader and an influencer in the space. Thank you, my man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, I, it's I love the way that you, that you put things out into the world too. It's uh, it's one of, one of the things that I uh, really respect about, about you and your approach is you are always coming from a very thoughtful and generous place. Thanks Dory. Um, you're building credentials and you know the key message i want people to hear is actually this is really dory's ongoing message i think in in building your reputation and your personal brand is there's a lots of small easy steps you can take that make this feel less large less big less impossible and um when you're building credentials, it's like look around you and find what the, the easy steps are because once you get the easier credentials, then the next credentials are, are easier to get. When I started building my personal brand 20 years ago, I was like, okay, I'm a volunteer on my local coaching chapter. <laughs> yes. Okay, I've got, you know, the first book endorsement I got was the, the buyer at the bookstore for the University of Toronto. 
And I'm like, okay, it's like nobody, nobody knows this person. I barely know this person. A friend of a friend introduced me. But I'm like, oh, okay, I've got that. And that's a stepping stone to then reaching out to somebody else, which is a stepping stone to reaching out to somebody else. So there's a way that you work a plan to accumulate credentials and kind of move up the ladder. So you get to a place where Dory's like, I can get Marshall Goldsmith to endorse my book. I've been elected to think as 50. I'm right for Harvard Business Review. I'm really kind of at the top of my game in terms of uh, being illuminated by credentials that are of the highest caliber. Yeah, thank you. And I think you raise a great point, Michael. I mean, for all of us, you know, it it looks depressing initially looking at people that that have been doing things a lot longer than we have. We say, "Oh, it's so hard. I could never get there." And it, it seems it seems really impossible. But it very much is the latter strategy. Everybody, I mean, unless you're coming in, unless you're sort of parachuting in from a different world where you just have a built-in advantage, like, you know, you're a professional basketball player or something like that. Um, You know, for most, you know, sort of quote-unquote regular people who are coming up, you you start small, you start local. I mean, I remember in 2008, I won the Somerville, Massachusetts uh, Small <laughs> Business of the Year Award. Right. It was like a big deal. And, uh, you know, like it's just little things like that. I was, you know, constantly pushing to, you know, to be getting, to be getting something in my local paper and my local business journal. Uh, I was, uh, you know, scrapping for, uh, for placement in, you know, the Massachusetts nonprofit network newsletter, you know, just uh, the the little, the little pieces like that, that that do become the building blocks. In fact, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, if you're parachuted in like an NBA basketball player, well, here's the truth with those people as well. They spend 20 years practicing basketball, (laughs) before they become an NBA player. So everybody has to start from nothing, start with zero followers, start with zero credentials and build up. And you do it one at a time. Absolutely, yes. So Dory, there are three steps in the recognized expert framework. We've got two of them. What's the third one? The third one is network. Mm. And the reason... No, not networking. (laughs) No, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You know, some people, like a sort of small subset of people are like, yes, that's amazing. And uh, and then a lot of people are just like, oh, you know, God help us. Um, But, you know, here's here's the truth. Um, I, you know, I work with a lot of coaching clients and this is often a very hard... Uh, thing for people because they either have sort of resistance to the idea of networking, it just feels mm-hmm. weird, it feels uncomfortable, it feels sleazy, or you know they're just used to they're just used to being a lone wolf. They're used to doing things on their own, and so they're like, ah, but I don't need to. I, you know, why should I? Why should I bother? Uh, but but here's here's the basic idea. I mean, number one, uh, I think we create uh, just the way it gets talked about. It ends up creating a sort of bizarre false division between networking and actually just connecting with people. I mean, you know, barring extreme examples, um, I think most people, if you said to them, Hey, would you like to meet cool, interesting friends? I think they'd probably be like, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) Exactly. And and, you know, that's, um, that's basically what networking is. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be some stressful, Activity. We we often equate networking with going to a quote unquote networking event, which are weird and artificial, and that's not a good way to network anyway. I yeah. totally avoid those. And at its core, networking is just like, hey, make some friends, make some interesting friends who do what you do, and you can talk to them about it, and it'll be fun. 
um, that is actually a fantastic thing. And most people, when they understand that's what we were talking about, they really enjoy it. But also, at a really fundamental level, um, you do begin to hit a wall sometimes because uh, there are opportunities that no matter how talented you are, there are opportunities that really only become available to you because somebody recommends you or like, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's like, it's like the job that's not advertised, you know, you just yeah. wouldn't even know about it unless somebody told you about it. And so you do need to be plugged into those circles so that you can be part of it so that you can be eligible. And, um, that's an important part. Also, it's, um, at a, at a really basic level, it is very, very hard to be considered a leading light in a particular field if all the other people that are the leading lights of that field just have no idea who you are. You have to be part of the conversation. <laughs> as soon as you say that, you're like, well, of course. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm going to tell on you again, Dory. You know, one of the things that you do regularly is, and again, temporary hold whilst the pandemic sweeps the world but you have been a great host for dinners in New York. When I'm in town, you'll pull together somewhere between six and 10 different people and go, right, let's go out for dinner. You pay your own way. You, you play the active role of a host and a gatherer. And again, I admire this because of how you find this sweet spot of saying, this builds my, repu- builds my reputation. It builds my network but I'm doing it in a spirit of generosity where I'm building other people's networks. So you know, just yesterday, um, we were, there were a group, a group of us who went out for dinner, which you hosted um, two months ago, and we just kind of reconnected on email going, hey, how are you doing and how's it going and is everybody okay? And it was a perfect opportunity, an example of this is a way networking can look. And... No, I am currently running something called Cocktails and Questions, where two or three times a week, I'll gather together a small group of people from my diverse circles and say, come and hang out and meet some cool new friends. And really, it's like inspired by you and some other people going, let me be a host in a way that gathers people. And also, I, there's, a, there's a spin-off benefit for me around this builds my reputation and it builds my network. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love it that you're doing that, Michael. Yeah, it's great. And plus, I get to drink cocktails on a regular basis. So what's not to love here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. One of, the, one of the saving graces of the New York City lockdown is <laughs> they have uh, temporarily, although, you know, <laughs> who knows with the recovery, uh, they've at least temporarily given permission to restaurants to deliver cocktails. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, awesome. I hadn't heard that, but that's... Yeah. That's so good. I got, I got margaritas. by somebody. <laughs> Yeah, I got I got margaritas delivered the other night. It's like, hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, Dora, this has been amazing. Thank you. Is there what would you offer up as a kind of final final thoughts, parting words? Yeah, it's a it's obviously a very challenging time right now, mm-hmm. and people are uh, just waiting to see what'll happen. You know, everybody's in a in a bit of a state of paralysis as we try to shake. Uh, see how things shake out. And so there are certain aspects of our businesses that are clearly not moving forward. You know, we're not making travel plans. Uh, In many cases, clients are not buying anything because they don't necessarily know how much money they're going to have available to them. So the best thing that we can do is to really wrap our arms around the things that we that we can control and use the time productively to say, you know what? 
let's reframe this. If this were a sabbatical, you know, a lot of a lot of professionals mm. are like, "Gosh, I wish I could take a month off. I wish right. I could take a sabbatical." Well, what would you do with that sabbatical? Because right. that is essentially what you've been granted, and so let's make the best of it. Uh, if your wish on your sabbatical was to eat out at restaurants every night. Sadly, that probably won't happen. Right. But uh, but often what people will say they want to do with their sabbatical is uh, they want to spend more time with their family or they want to finally get cracking on writing that book or you exactly. know, tackling that big project. And uh, it's definitely a good time for that. I love that. Dory, for people who want to find out about your work, maybe get interested in the Recognized Expert Framework, Uh, maybe pick up some of the freebie stuff that you've got, where will I find you? Thank you so much, Michael. Well, one of the best places to start, actually, I have a a free uh, recognized expert self-assessment that I created where people can get a a, a numerical score that helps them understand where they are in terms of becoming a recognized expert in their company or in their field. And it provides guidance based on that about where they should be spending their time right now. Um, so they can get that for free at Dory Clark. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K. So doryclark.com slash toolkit. Beautiful. Dory, you are awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. It's so great to get to speak with you. Hey, it's Michael here. Two things before you go. The first is a gift. The second is a request. The gift, I want you to go to mbs.works and hunt down the year of living brilliantly. Really, it's some of my best work because it is a 52-week, 52-teacher, absolutely free video-based course where I spend a lot of time curating some of the smartest people I know and saying, teach me the best of what you've got. If you're looking to really step up to have a year that's just a little bit sweeter, a little bit better than the year you've just had, that is a terrific resource. So please go and check that out. Absolutely free, no obligation, nothing required other than for you to sign up and get going on it. And then for the request, I just want what every podcast host wants, which is a little bit of love. So if you'd consider going to iTunes or Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast platform is and giving the podcast a bit of a rating and a bit of a review, that would be amazing. Thank you.